we had a couple hundred employees and we had to let go a bunch of them. How do you do that? You know, how do you come into a Christian organization and say, you know, you're fired? Well, hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I've got a guest this week that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, as you guys know, I enjoy the media landscape. Uh, I enjoy modern tools of communication. Um, but on this week's episode, I have the CEO of one of the greatest media companies on the planet. And I'm excited to look at his backstory, his story of business, his total focus on the kingdom and where we go moving forward. Ward, it's so good to have you on the show. Why don't you let our audience know who is Ward Simpson? Well, thank you for having me. It's my privilege and honor. And uh, who is Ward Simpson? That's a good question. I've been asking that for 60 years. <laughs> so I'll be 61 in December. And, um, you know, I'm currently CEO, as like you said, and president of God TV. But really, who, who am I? Uh, man, I am just trying to live every day for Jesus. <laughs> and uh, So who am I as a long story, Wes, and I'm not sure where to go from there. But, uh, you know, I, was, I grew up in Barbados. Maybe we could talk about that for a second. But uh, at the moment, um, I mean, I believe in what you're doing, you know, the marketplace ministry. And and so at God TV, it's a combination. You know, God's given us all gifts and talents to use right where we're at. And, um, and I have a good story about that we could talk about, you know, in a minute too. I'm just dying over here while I cough. Um, I want to know about Barbados. Like, I don't mean too many people that grew up there. Uh, I went to yeah. I went to Antigua as a kid, so I'm a bit familiar. But what was it like growing up in Barbados? Well, you know, it's all I knew, and it was uh, as far as I knew, it was amazing. <laughs> as I got older and older, and um, got married, and then started to travel more abroad, you know, you then realize you're in a small bubble, and uh, you're missing you're missing out on the world, but Barbados is a little paradise. I like to invite everybody that can to come and visit. Uh, I grew up there. You know, I went to school there. I went to work there. I got married there. That's where I met my wife there. She was uh, raised there, but she was actually born in Trinidad, which is another uh, West Indies territory, Caribbean territory. But growing up there, um, it had its pros and cons. But from my perspective, it was all pros. You know, the beach was around the corner, like for you guys. So I was a surfer when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, I mean, life, life was good. <laughs> we had fun. Tell me about, tell us about the early years of business. I know you, uh, you got some great stories there. So take us back. Like, like, how did you get into business? What did that look like? Yeah, my dad. Um, so yeah, my dad was also born in Barbados. His dad was born in Barbados, but they are of Scottish descent. My mother was born in England, but she's Jewish descent. Her dad was a famous band leader in uh, London. His name was Harry Roy. Uh, you should Google him one these days. It was amazing. I'm now getting to learn more about him. And um, so my dad, he started off, you know, he, he never went to college. And, you know, he went into work. And from a young age, he started from a ground level up. And then his grandmother left him a little inheritance. And he bought himself a defunct Volkswagen dealership. And he ran it out of a Texaco gas station. And uh, from there, he began to grow and grow and grow. I, I went to high school in Barbados. I never went to college. I went straight to work with him when I was 17. 
And I mean, I couldn't wait to get out of school and go to work. And so, and he taught me and we, I learned through the ranks. So um, I learned, you know, I started as a gas station attendant and then I worked in the service department and the parts department and the accounting and the sales. And then, you know, it took me a number of years before I got into senior management. So I had a, a really great education of the car business and basically that is all I really knew my whole life was the car business. I didn't even really like the car business. <laughs> you know, I could care less about cars, uh, but that that was my business. And I, it's still in my blood, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. And so take beyond there, so what happens when you get into your 20s and when you get into your 30s? What does business look like then? Yeah, well, this is where it starts to become interesting because, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and as a young teenager and then as i got a little bit older i went astray and you know got wild and i mean not that bad but this certainly wasn't serving god and but like many of us we have too much of god in us to be a good sinner and too much sin in us to be <laughs> a good christian so we're kind of in no man's land and we know it and um so you know, then I met my wife and she had just become a Christian and she thought that I was a Christian. So she was interested in me mainly for that reason. But I was interested in her because she was beautiful and she was a Christian. I was like, all right, <laughs> sounds like a deal. And um, and we got married and then she realized, you know what, you're a fraud man. you're not really a Christian at all. And a long story short, um, God got a hold of me in our first year of marriage and this radical me brought me back. And so I began to really serve him passionately. And, but then what would happen was, is that I would get more, the more involved I would get with business. I found that my spiritual life was dwindling or waning, was weakening. Um, th something I always had to give, you know, it's just so much hours in the day you have. So, you know, I, I have to be, Keeping up with, and now look, by this time, we're a multinational, uh, international company. We're selling automobiles in different parts of the world. We have dealerships all over the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, and Brazil. Um, my dad's, you know, he's Mercedes, he's um, Suzuki and Mitsubishi, Isuzu. Then we've got tractors, JCB, John there, Bob. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. And so we've got all these manufacturers that I've got to deal with. I've got the management and employees to deal with. I've got customers to deal with. I've got to keep up with technology. I've got to keep up with sales. I've got to keep up with the business. I've got to keep up with everything. And what was always getting put on the back burner was um, my spiritual life. And I would always tell my wife, I would say, honey, it's just I'm having a hard time balancing business and God. And the more that I dive into the business it seems like the further i get from god and then the more i get into god and spiritually it seems that I, I drift away from business i can't seem to find that balance and some people can i mean my dad did my brother does my sister does i just could not and um boy i, I just had a hard time and um and finally you know it, through a, a long series of years of just getting weaker and weaker and that light getting dimmer and dimmer you know that fire starting to go out more and more um 
I told my wife one day, I said, honey, I, I've got to do something. I'm backslidden again. I, I'm just being honest, sweetie. Uh, my heart's cold. I am. Um, I, I need help. And there was no media at that time, as far as internet goes. There's no Google. There was no emails. There's no internet. And but she had heard of something called the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. And she said, it's God's moving there in his church. And let's go and visit this revival. And I said, well, what's a revival? And where is Pensacola? You know, <laughs> so it's in Florida. And long story short ways, we came to visit. Hell fought us to get here. It was, um, we got here. And my gosh, God got a hold of me that first night. And uh, man, that was in 1996, Wes. God just set me ablaze again. And uh, boy, I have not gone back. I'm not, yeah, it's been tough at times. It's been a roller coaster at times. I've been weaker at times. And, you know, um, certainly let God down many, many times since then. But uh, it's been an amazing journey. And, um, through that, you know, God then led us into the ministry full-time, which was not the plan. I said to my dad, Dad, look, could I have two years off? I, I've been touched mightily by God, and I don't want to fall back in that trap. I really need to get grounded, and I want to go through this Bible school because they were just announced in a Bible school. And... Uh, he said, sure. He said, of course. And he, and he blessed me. And so I went off just for two years, but that two years became three, became four. And, and now it's been, um, whatever it is, this is 2023 and it was 1996 when I left. So however many years that is now. Hey, I wanted to jump in here during the podcast and let you know about greenhouse media. It's one of the service offerings inside the business greenhouse suite of services. And it's essentially, we're a full service digital marketing agency. And there's a lot of agencies out there, but there's a couple of things that make us unique. The first thing is, is that I'm only interested in business results. I'm not out there trying to get people more comments, more likes, more shares. I just wanna drive people results that matter. Good quality phone calls, good quality lead forms, ultimately the lead generator that helps you scale your business. The second thing that makes us unique is we're a collaborative team under one roof. So whereas in years gone by, you might have one provider for your website, one provider for SEO, one provider for Google, and then if things don't work, they all point the finger, we are all accountable and collaborative to make sure that we together work on achieving the outcomes you want. So we've got hundreds of clients and thousands of campaigns running across Australia and beyond, uh, and Jamie heads up as head of strategy that side of the business. Jamie, why don't you tell us some of the results that we've had with our clients recently? Yeah, we've taken hundreds of businesses across different industries um, through our process. Um, some standouts for me over the last 12 months, we took a plumbing company um, from one location to four locations across three states, um, all through a website built by our team, Google Ads and Facebook Ads. Um, we scaled an e-commerce business, we doubled their revenue in the last 12 months and they had their best year yet. Um, we took a mechanic in Sydney from you know, very few leads to over 350 phone calls um, per month um, over six months. 
Um, we also work with smaller budgets, so we took a, a small carpenter in Sydney um, with only $500 a month and got them a $20,000 job in their first month of ads. So um, a lot of good results, but they're the standouts for me in the last 12 months. Some great stories. You know, ultimately we're marketers. We're not people that just put ads together. There's plenty of those, but we think like marketers to drive actual results. If I've piqued your interest, then click on the link below, head over to our page, uh, and there you'll find a diary. You can book a time that suits you, and Jamie and I will jump on a call with you and ascertain what are the business results you need and can we get them for you. All right, let's get back to the podcast. I wanna go back to the struggle, right, of every time yeah. I'm guessing that you're quite an intense person, like fiercely law, like in or out, right? Which is why you struggle. It's like you, you, if, you, if it's business, you're just in, you're committed, right? And then if it's, if it's only my time with the Lord, like I'm, I'm committed. And so the outworking of those people is a little bit like it's kind of hard to juggle the two because you just, you want to be totally committed to one, which is amazing and probably what it requires to be successful. Um, but now that you've had time to kind of sit back and, and gain a few years, do you think there is a way to balance well, staying committed with the Lord, learning, sonship, and the intensity of scaling up a business? I mean, there's no question about that. Absolutely no question about that. And, and I think that, um, I, I think for me, there was a definite calling, um, but, I also know many people that mistake the, that for a calling because they just want to get more involved in the ministry. They think that they're supposed to leave the workplace and go into quote unquote ministry. But as you know, and as you, I'm assuming you preach, um, God gives us all gifts and talents to use right where we are. We're all ministers for the kingdom of God. And I know many people, many, many great great leaders in business who were able to balance their life and they do more for the kingdom in their business than they could ever done if they were a pastor or an evangelist. Um, I know businessmen who are serving God that have done more for the kingdom than, than some of the greatest preachers that I, that I know. Yeah. And so there is definitely that opportunity, you know, and you can do more. I mean, look, like, <laughs> Yeah. What What are some of the disciplines that you think a business person needs on a daily basis to be able to not neglect their spiritual life whilst they build a demanding business? What 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 are some of the lessons that you've distilled along the journey? I mean, I think some of them are are a simple that we all know, but yet we don't follow. And one is your daily devotion. I mean, and that's what was given for me. So instead of me reading my Bible, I was reading the next manual on how to improve and, you know. So, yeah, your daily devotion is is key to that. And also uh, being involved and connected with a, with a good church. I mean, I really, really encourage everybody where they can to be plugged in to a local church and to have a pastor, a, a good pastor, over them, under shepherd, as I like to say, that is going to be there to guide them. One of the dangers of business people um, is as they get more and more successful and more and more powerful, then the leadership in the church, like their pastor or whatever, becomes more and more irrelevant. 
And there's a good story about that where this young guy came to his pastor. He didn't have any money and the pastor prayed with him and he got a job and and he tithed on it. You know, his first job was a hundred dollars, then it went to a thousand and then five and then ten and then twenty. And then he was making a bunch of money to where he was uncomfortable tithing. And he wanted to meet him with the pastor. So he went back and he said, Pastor, you know, I'm not comfortable with tithing all this money to the, to the church here. I mean, I want to know that what you're doing with it. And I would like you to be praying with me about it. So he said, well, let's pray right now. He said, Father, I pray that you would put my brother's income level back to a place where he would be comfortable tithing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, now, I mean, listen, that's an extreme situation. But um, I mean, I see that over and over again. We get too big for our britches. Yeah. And uh, and true success is not how much money you have, and it's not even what you're doing for the kingdom. True success is, in my opinion, simply doing the will of God, whatever God has for you. And why is it so important? Because I we, we talk to housewives a lot. They say, Ward, we don't we don't have time to think, far less study and read and do our, you know, like I've got three and four children and they got school and this and that and pulling my hair out just to survive. And and I, I feel like I'm not doing anything for the kingdom. I'm beating myself up. I say, ma'am, God has given you those children and they are your parishioners right now. Your job is to raise them up in the way of the Lord. Don't let anybody fool you. That is one of the highest callings that you could ever have. Some lady that's listening right now, you're a housewife, you're you're a homemaker, you feel like you're not doing enough for God. You are doing everything you can for God right now by raising those children in the way of the Lord. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't let any devil beat you up about that. I love it. I love it. Um, and you are free to preach on this show. Um, so <laughs> coming back to the business and the, the ministry thing, you know, like, it, 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 I mean, it's a red flag for me, but it really bugs me. And, you know, the abridged mm. version for me was I became a Christian in 2004. Um, but, and, and really had no faith background. Like I knew nothing about God or anything, like literally nothing, um, come to Christ. Um, but I always, I'm a passionate kind of guy. Like I, I have, I like having energy. I enjoy life. And so I was just a committed Christian from that moment forward. And so a lot of people would say to me, you'll start a brick church and you'll, you'll lot thousands of lives and a harvest of souls and all the good Christian phrases. And they said to me, like, you, you know, go and do Bible college and then you can they basically laid out my future. Then you can become a youth pastor. I was already too old to be cool, right, at 25 years old. And then they're like, you know, and then you can become an assistant pastor. And then if you get the tithes up, you'll get your own church. And, Anyway, I was already a businessman. So every time somebody would say this to me, I was, I was dying on the inside. Cause I was like, is that it? Because that's not what that, like, that's not how I feel like I can serve God best. Anyway, it goes on. Yeah. I'm wrestling for years and through a traveling minister, I basically bribed the Lord. I said, I need a word from you, business or ministry, and I'll do it for the rest of my life. And then I start negotiating with God. I'm like, if you call me to ministry, I'll do it, but I'll hate it, but I'll do it, but I'll hate it. But so I'm negotiating, right? Anyway, the mm. Lord tells me business is the calling. And then three days later sits me down and says, you asked an incorrect question. You can't be called to business or ministry. It's exactly the same thing. It's just ones within the four walls of a building and ones within a marketplace, but I need you to go out there and, and be all that you can be. And it set me free. I no longer mm. needed to fit my faith inside a box that didn't suit me. And 
and you know, from that day to this, it's been a wonderful joy to be a minister in the marketplace and, and, and take the gospel there. So, so, you know, now I want to hear from you, like, what's your revelation around this topic and, and, and how does it play out in your world? I, I, I was um, a similar journey to you as far as that goes. I, I, and we may be on the same page, um, but I'll, I'll take it a step further. So I, I do see that there is still a difference. So I believe like you that we are all ministers of the gospel. So, and what happens is we're all given a sphere of influence whether it's in your school or your neighborhood or your office or your city, whatever that sphere is, everybody has a different size sphere. And God wants us to be effective in that sphere of influence. And the more we are obedient and faithful and do what he has us to do, then he'll give us more and more. And that's the principle of, of, of the kingdom, that the more that you are faithful, will, he'll give you more the less he'll take away. So, and we're all called to be salt and we're all called to be light, and, but we all have different um, gifts and talents. And, you know, like my wife is very shy. She she doesn't like to be in the limelight or up front, but she's she's good at one-on-one. Uh, but I do see though that there is a, a model for the church, which is the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, you know, the teacher. I, I do think that, when it comes to the, the church, I'm not talking necessarily a building, but yes, it's part of that, where you have a pastor and you have order and you have the evangelist. And so I, I do think there's a model there. I do think that that is different. And, you know, the Bible does say that those shepherds and teachers are held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. They're going to be more accountable as well. So I, I do see a difference there. So I never... I, I, I see a pastor, especially when, when just to run a church, to lead a church, to lead a congregation. Um, I just see that as a very high calling, if not the highest calling. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'll just say this. Some people, because they're a businessman, just like I'm saying, they're a businessman, they're in ministry, they're effective. And... Um, and, you know, they, there was this teaching that went along for many years about kings and priests, you know, and so some are kings and some are priests. But, you know, scripture actually says it's a, it's, we're, king, we're a kingdom of priests. But yeah. nevertheless, I mean, like one of my best friends is Rich Marshall, and he wrote the book God at Work. It's all about marketplace ministry. <laughs> and um, But what happens, like I said earlier, sometimes business people, we, we tend to get a little bit too big for our britches. And we know, you remember Saul? Saul was king, right? But what happened? He, he, he didn't wait on the prophet to go and make the sacrifice. He went and did it himself. And when he did it himself, that was the, that was the end for him. He was mm. outside of his calling. Yeah. That was, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's cool. All right, let's talk about um, God TV just for a minute and your role of CEO. <clears throat> you know, um, I did chart for my own interest. I charted um the, the, the kind of like the god tv story and uh and and i'll go off memory so i'll probably miss a few of these dates but um you know uh started running um in a in a pretty small country doing two hours a day then it, then it became like a seven hour a day show then it became a 24-hour show all within a handful of years six seven eight years 
then it became, you know, go and do a few countries around the world, 24 hours, you know, and then it became the US and, and, and then it became, you know, satellites and, 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 and maybe over a, I don't know, it may be like a 20 year period, maybe 25, you know, it's gone from two hours on one little community channel to a global behemoth, right. Being streamed all over the world. So that's an incredible story. And, uh, um, but, but you, I think 2016, you became CEO. So, you know, give us, give us the rundown of the last seven years. Like what's the exciting stuff happening at God TV over the last seven years? So I'll tell you, we had a couple hundred employees and we had to let go a bunch of them. How do you do that? You know, how do you come into a Christian organization and say, you know, you're fired? That, that was huge. So, you know, you ask God for wisdom. And that's so important. Wisdom, um, boy, I mean, the Bible clearly says, if you don't have wisdom, ask for it. And so you've got to have wisdom and understanding and discernment. If you want to be successful in business or in ministry, anything, friend, you've got to have wisdom and understanding and discernment. And, you know, we say Solomon was wise because he decided he was going to cut the baby in half, right? And we use that as an example of his wisdom. Well, I'll take it out a step further. I say that was not his wisdom. That was his understanding. Wisdom told him that something was wrong. Wisdom told him, slow down, don't make the wrong decision. Wisdom told him to be careful. Wisdom told him that he needs understanding. And then understanding told him that a true mother would not have her baby yeah. killed, right? Yeah. So That's you got to have wisdom. So you yeah. have all these... You have all of these employees. So what we did is we, we called them all together in all the different countries. I'd go and visit and we said, now look, here's the reality of the situation. We've got to cut back by X percent, which means, you know, at least half of the employees are going to have to go. And um, I'm certainly not here to fire anybody. So unless, you know, that was my first thing, unless you know that you know that you know a thousand percent that God's called you here and you are willing to go through the storm and not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I would suggest that you take this severance package that we're offering. So we offered a, a severance package with a, um, like a surplus, you know, for the first round. And some people took that, but then not enough took it. So then we had to do it again and... And then what would happen is, you know, we still ended up with people. We had too many still. And I was like, Lord, what am I going to do here? And I don't want to crush anybody and destroy somebody's life, you know. And uh, I would ask, because I, I don't know the media business now. So we got all these senior people getting paid a lot of money. And I would I would say, well, so what do you actually do here? And I would find out what they do. Then I would ask other people. And, you know, I was told, for example, over and over again, that this particular person a number of times. Um, we could never do without them. And if they were gone, you know, like the roof would fall in, you know, the sky would fall in. But I would watch, I was like, what on earth did they do on a day? I cannot for the life of me figure out what they do on a day. So finally I would go to them and say, look, I'm so sorry, but we just cannot afford to keep you. You know, how can we um, come up with an exit strategy for you that's not hurtful? So and every time we did it, we gave severance packages and um, and every time Wes Nothing happened. It was like, I thought the sky was going to fall. And nothing happened. And now we are down to a, we do more with less right now. 
we're doing more production we're doing more content we're we are doing more with a third of the of the of the workforce and um so that that was a journey in itself and you couldn't do that overnight mm. you know you just cannot do that overnight unless you're ruthless and you just come in and you you know, but you can't do that with God's children. You shouldn't do that with any. I mean, we're all God's children, whether you're a Christian or not, you're a child of God. So you run into business. You can't be ruthless. You need to shepherd. I mean, God's God. If God's given you a business with employees, God's calling you to shepherd those employees and treat them the way God would treat people in America, America, especially, which is, you know, the largest, largest media platforms, I guess, you know, um, but we, we're in, we're in, so we have a number of streams, right? We have Africa, Asia, Australasia, North America, the UK, Europe, and I'm sure there's somewhere else I'm missing right now. But so we have all these feeds that are going simultaneously. And here in America, then you have, um, how do you, how do you get, eyeballs how do you get people to watch your channel well you have to you know here and you have cable and you have satellite so but cable is huge in, in the states and satellite also but the point is you have to pay all of these platforms to be on their platform and these platforms are ridiculously expensive three million five million six million ten million and that's how it works i'm not sure how how much I'm, I'm assuming you know a lot about the media business but for example you know um here in the states fox news i'll give you an example it's a big one right yep so so i was watching um my supplier of television my cable company that i subscribed to i was watching it many years ago and where it was and all of a sudden it said this this channel is coming off the air it will no longer be on and uh, I thought, wow. And then I heard that it was negotiation problems. And I thought, oh, I guess Fox doesn't want to pay these people to be on their platform. They must be trying to increase the price of Foxes. You know, they're playing hardball. And if, if you increase the price, we're going off. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was Fox was telling them they had to pay Fox to come onto their channel. <laughs> right? So it happens where some people pay to go on. Others are paid to come on. Um, but when it comes to Christian networks, we're treated like cancer. You know, they don't want us. We, we're the worst. They charge us full price for everything. And the only way to get on for free is if you own a local station. So if you own a local TV station, there's a law in America. It's a must-carry law. So all of the cable heads and all the satellites have to carry that station in that area. So that's how TBN, for example got so huge in America. They were buying local stations from the beginning and then they got this must carry. And so they're all over the country. But in the case of God TV, they were just, they started by buying space on all of these satellites and all these platforms. So once, once we got involved, we, we couldn't afford that. You know, we couldn't afford to expand and spend another 3 million and 5 million. We didn't have it. We live in day to day. So what happened with us was, was a God thing. We were forced, you know, back then to start thinking about OTT, to start thinking about the digital space, to start thinking and planning 
of how you get content delivered to a person, which is not what we would call terrestrial television or television as we know it, where you're subscribing to someone and you have a remote and you have a TV and you're watching these channels. So we got forced into that to the point where we actually have a division at God TV, which is our digital division. Um, we have, uh, I think, 30, 30 employees in that division alone. We have some in the Philippines, some in India, some in England, some in North America. And this is a whole team dedicated to getting content delivered to you however you watch it, whether it's through an app, whether it's through social media, whether it's through an email, you know, and when I say an app or social media, we're talking about all of them, you know, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, everything. So we have a whole team dedicated just for that. And, and it was a blessing in disguise. We were forced into it. So when this thing happened, when, you know, when it started to really mushroom, we were already way ahead of most of the Christian networks. And we, and we still are. I mean, listen, we send out 300,000 emails a day with content, you know, and we have seven different Facebook pages and on and on and on and on and on. And we have mm -hmm. a whole team that's involved in that. So the future of media is it's not about is TV going away because young people are still watching a box. Yeah. Whether it's on a computer or on a on a tablet or something on their wall or on a desk, they're still watching something. Mm. They're just not subscribing to the old school. They're yeah. subscribing to the new school, but like the new school, like Netflix and those, they don't have any Christian um, channels on. They don't, they don't, they'll have Christian movies, but you know, the Christian, the Christian networks are kind of shunned at the moment, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously that shift, how good of God to push you there. Right. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, I inquired about this not that long ago, you know, I think for, for me to run a 30 minute show on, you know, a, a traditional satellite TV was, is like 10 grand for 30 minutes or something like that. Like to buy the time, you know, it's, it's right. cost prohibitive right. for a lot of people, you know? Um, and, um, yeah. But you don't exactly. have that, you don't have the cost to go direct to consumer now, right? With a decent, I mean, exactly. like the distribution has been made so easy, right? By exactly. by Facebook, exactly. TikTok, Apple, um, you know, and things like that. So now you can go all those walls that were held by strongholds. You can go around yeah. them. Now that doesn't mean there's no strongholds because now I think as I'm processing, I'm like. The stronghold just went further down the chain because now it's an algorithm where Christian-based content gets shadow banned, you know, across these kind of platforms. So you still have that challenge. I guess yeah. one, one of my questions for you is, is there any thought around being deplatformed? You know, like, is, is there, because we saw the Parler app through the last Trump, you know, election get deplatformed. Apple just decide we don't like that app. And so we're just going to take the app. Like, is there any thoughts around, you know, what does that mean uh, for you guys? I mean, there, there is. We think about it all the time. You know, we look at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats that would come under the threat. Um, which, by the way, if, if you're listening today, you've never heard of a SWOT analysis. It's an old General Motors thing from years and years ago where you analyze your organization, your company, your business, your, even your family, your ministry. You look at the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. 
So we do that often at God TV. I do that in my own life. I do that with my wife, children. You know, so in ministry, what are our strengths? You list them and then you capitalize on them. You, you make sure you maximize them. You look at your weaknesses. You know, you figure out what your weaknesses are and you fix them. You look at your opportunities and you go after them. And then you look at your threats and you resist them or plan for them. Um, so, for example, in Israel, we launched the first ever Hebrew speaking channel on cable TV. And the threat that we knew was that we were going to get shut down. And so we had prepared for that. So immediately we had already geared up a digital platform in case we got shut down. And in a couple of months, we were shut down. And immediately we were back up and running digitally and probably reaching even more people than we would have been on cable because... Um, we, we had such a backlash in the media, over 200 headlines, and um, it was like talk of the town for, for a couple of weeks. Shalano TV got TV got shut down. And so, you know, because when we launched our cable channel, I was like, Lord, okay, we just spent the money to buy airtime, but we don't have any money left to market it. <laughs> you know, how are we going to get people to watch it now? <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, watch this. So, bam, explosion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, there's ways to shut down digital platforms as well. And so my son could speak to that better. He's he's responsible for that. But I don't really give it a lot of um, concern because the Bible says that God sits in heaven and laughs at these things. You know, the mm. kingdom of God is advancing. Mm. And it's going to advance whether we get shut down or not. Yeah, Isaiah was either right or wrong. And I'm I'm going to go with he was right. The government is ever. By the way, Wes, but by the way, you know, one of the. So, yeah, so media, like, this is what we say all the time to our partners. How do we reach the world for Jesus through media? How can you reach the masses through media? How will they believe if they don't hear? How will they hear if there's no preacher? How will they preach if they're not sent? So, sent is this distribution. How do you reach a nation? Through media, it's the most amazing opportunity and tool that God's given to us. But at the same time, now that, like you said, all these walls are down and you can send your own information all over the world, this is where there's so much misinformation and disinformation and nonsense in the name of Christ is being broadcast. Uh, um, it has become an absolute farce because everybody now is a preacher. And everybody's a prophet and people love it. They love to hear it. And it becomes, it's, it's, that's, that makes, it makes, it makes us weep with the amount of nonsense that's been shared out there in the name of Jesus and in the name of prophecy, especially. Let's just stay there for a minute. What would you say to somebody on their, on their ability to discern? Cause that's not going away, right? You know, it's been decentralized, so that's only going to get worse. What would you say to somebody on how they could discern and filter? Wes, I'll give you, let's talk about America for a minute with the prophecies of the president and COVID globally. Let's talk about all these prophecies and people, all different levels of people prophesying. The ones that prophesy get the huge following. And then they keep changing the goalposts and people keep following. And then they keep changing the goalposts or changing their message and people keep following. Like there's there's no there's no accountability. And 
I know people that are dear friends of mine and close and love God, maybe even love God more than me. <laughs> but I see them like in this trap. And I'm like, well, they have discernment. They have wisdom. I mean, I'm, I can't point my finger at them. Um, but so I don't know the answer. There's there's just a, a huge deception. I, I would, you know, you can't say that they're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and they're right. I just, I don't know the answer there, Wes. Mm. <laughs> the generation that concerns me more is the younger ones, right? Because, um, I mean, I would probably sit somewhere between you and them, right? So, but I remember a, I remember a world pre-internet. I, you know, I, we used right. chat rooms. I, I, you know, like I was 18 or something, right? So I still remember pre-internet years. Um, see, you're, you're able to hear stuff online that, that, that is a farce and discern it because you had good, strong biblical teaching. I'm worried about the kids now that have only seen everyone's a preacher right crossing any moral boundary to get more clicks and likes they're the ones that concern me because you know because they don't actually know how to draw a conclusion between that and the truth and that's the thing man you've got to get solid teaching but then you know that's the next question what is solid teaching where can you get solid teaching i was just talking just before this show i was talking to a man and um you know he told me that he prays about everything before he does anything, I said, that's wonderful. And um, and I said, I'm going to say something to you now that's probably going to throw you off, but um, I don't have to pray about everything. So he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I, for example, a man called me the other day. He said he's doing a big event in London. And would we cover it? And would I pray about it? I said, well, I don't have to pray about it. The answer is yes. And he said, well, okay, great. But then somebody said, well, why you should be praying about it. I said, well, I don't have to pray about it. If you're living a life for God and he's leading you down a path and you're following him and you, this is what you do. This is, this is a great event. Now, I, I always say now, as I continue to live for God and talk with God and pray, you know, this door may get shut. A bell and a whistle may come up, but I don't need to pretend that I need to get pious. And say, oh, I got to pray about this and pray about that. Like, like forget all that and, and stop. You know, when I was in the car, I had this dealership and this guy called me up, says, Ward, um, I need this particular truck, particular color, particular model, particular price. And I said, look, it's nearly impossible to get that. And if I get that, it's going to be more money than that. But nevertheless, you said you prayed and God showed you. So let me look for it. And to me, a mir miraculously, I found the exact thing you wanted. And I called him up excited. I said, man, I, you made a believer of me, you know, so come on and get the truck. And he said, well, I, I don't want to rush it. Let, let me just, you know, pray about it some more. I was like, wait a minute. You said you prayed about it already. What do you mean you got to pray about it more? How long is that going to take? How long does God usually take before he gets back to you? Like, yeah. you know, I kind of poked at him. And, and then I said, well, then you pray about it. And in the meantime, I'm going to pray and see if I can sell it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's exactly what happened the next day somebody came in and bought it for a lot more than than he was gonna buy it for so um i think that's the businessman that's the business in the man inside of you that you know because the way i look at it is god already gave the word go make disciples of nations like exactly like, like okay every year we got to get a new word right for, from a preacher okay well, here's the word of the lord every day now there are people right, that what happens every day 
right. What happened the last year's word? Like, can we can we go back and visit that? Like, can we bring that from under us? the carpet because it didn't work out? <laughs> can we put that back on the table? Yeah, yeah. And what's wrong? What's wrong with the original word? Going to all the world to preach yeah. the good news of the gospel, right? Yeah. But I understand. I understand. I've been. I understand. So I'm not. You know, but I'm just tired of all of that now in my life. It's like, come on, let's go back. Like, let's get back to the early disciples and the early church. And let's and forget all of this stuff for all around us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Distractions, but it's pretty clear to see why the Lord would call you into a ministry that's on its knees. Because because you, you didn't need it. You don't need the media to make yourself a bigger man. But you've got a business background to be able to cut it out and 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 turn it into something and and steward it well and you know it's it it you know it makes sense right that that he would call you it may not have made sense to you now but in hindsight it's like it's exactly what was needed so you, you, i think you're in about 300 million homes around the world but there's yeah. three billion devices yeah i mean listen we could easily say that everybody with a device in the world could could um access us but you could say the same thing about this podcast so the key is the key is how do you drive traffic to mm. your site and what are you doing and, about that? i'm keen to kind of hear what's what what's in the plans for god tv because i actually want to activate our audience to be to lean in get involved download the app like i want to i want to engage them but thank you yeah. just but but what, yeah and that's and that's exactly what you do you have to you have to um you have to get strategic alliances. So we like, for example, we were just, we were, we were asked to film this uh, event that just took place in Amsterdam. And this was a, a, a big gospel campaign in Amsterdam. So we said to the organizers, okay, yeah, we will come and film it, but that's not the kind of partnership we're looking for this day and age. If you want us, we want to be a real partner. So we want to be able to reach out to your audience. We want, to you know impact your audience so they can get our app and they can you know we don't need your database we don't want to contact your partners or nothing like that but we, we need this needs to be a very strategic alliance so and so then and then you 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 that's how you expand you know step by step by step you just you keep strategic partners strategic and you keep expanding that way you have to expand your pawn per se you know and, um, you know, unless you're Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or one of those guys, you know, he's, yeah, you have to keep plugging away. Yeah. So, like, give us some things that you would like us to do. Like, what, where can we go and engage with God TV? So, we have like a, a number of websites. So, when we took over, we only had one website. It was God.tv. And that's our traditional site. You go to God.tv and that's where you watch the channel. Um, the app, you know, we would like everybody to download the app and, and use the app. So just go to the app store and get God TV app. And it's, it's really amazing. That's the honest truth. Um, but GodTV.com is now what we would call a magazine website. And that's where all the bloggers are. And that's where all the articles, that's where lots of videos are. Uh, you can also get to God.TV and watch there. But again, it's a whole nother strategy. And, and then we have, you know, like, like I say, we have like seven or eight different Facebook pages for different audiences. And none of it, some, some of them don't even mention God TV. So this is a way to reach people. And, you know, if, if you're interested in Israel, we're not going to talk to you about something else. We're going to 
send you data and programming on that. So we have to funnel you in and we have to find out who you are and what you like and then keep you interested. You know, like we just did a campaign to renew our TV license in India for 10 years. And we needed to raise a million dollars. And we I think we're up to 900,000 right now. And but it was a real great campaign because people caught the vision. And they, you know what, we can't go to India ourselves. And Wes, let me tell you this too, man. as far as media goes, we tell our partners, and you can tell yours as well. Call them media missionaries. Mm. You know, you are going into all the world and preaching the good news of the gospel through media by being a partner at God TV. That's what we say. And you can't go, friend, you can't go to India right now. You can't go to Africa. You can't go to Australia. You can't go here, there. You can't. You can't even afford to go on holiday. How are you going to go into all the world and preach? Right? Matter of fact, you're so shy, you can't even preach. Well, you get involved with the media ministry. Yeah. And you join your light, be part of that lighthouse. And you, you help it to beam bright and beam far. And on that day, I really believe with all my heart that, you know, God, you will share in the reward. And that's what we tell our partners. You're going to share this reward equally. I, I It's the biggest fulfillment of my life being in media ministry, Wes, because even now you and I are talking on a podcast. God TV has content being broadcast around the world and somebody's hearing and somebody's getting touched right now. Yeah. When I go to sleep, after this, and I go to sleep, and I'm not even thinking about God. God TV is broadcasting around the world. So I love, I just love media as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. Really, really exciting. And we'll link up all of those. We'll, we'll try to incentivize our guys to download the apps um, and, uh, and, and get on the browsers and, and things like that, you know. Support Wayne, man. Wayne's doing an outstanding job too. Yeah. I mean, listen, we get testimonies from the prisons there every week. We get testimonies from prisoners. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so good. I appreciate all of that. And it, you know, um, you are stewarding a phenomenal ministry. That's for sure. Uh, I've got one more question for you that I want to kind of circle back to a lot earlier in our chat. Um, okay. There'd be somebody that's listening to this right now on a treadmill, driving, mowing the lawn, whatever they're doing, and they they are listening and auditing themselves and they're going, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm backsliding. I'm, I'm walking away from the Lord. My busyness is getting in the way of my walk. I just want you to just preach for as long as you like, just freely. What would you say to those people who are listening right now and feeling that way? Well, I would say like my own self, and I've discovered this. I had a young man that came up to me after I'd preached one day and I, this guy was involved in the ministry and and uh, he had it drifted away and he came up to me and he greeted me and and I said, how are you doing? And you can tell immediately that he's lost his passion and he's lost his, you can tell because you know how he was before it. So I looked at him, I said, listen, let, let me ask you a question. Are you backslidden? Just tell me, are you backslidden? And he looked at me and he went, yeah, I'm backslidden. I said, listen, that's the best thing you could ever confess because God already knows it. And the only one that needs to know it is him. So you can't fool him. You can fool me. You can fool your friends, but it's pointless. So you're backslidden and confess that. So I would say to someone, first of all, just don't beat yourself over it. Like you're away from God. You're back. Look, if you were, 
here today and now you're back here tomorrow. That means you're backslidden. I mean, listen, I backslide myself. <laughs> you know, I, there are days when or weeks or little seasons where I'm not as passionate. I'm not as like the words not coming alive. And so I, and I say all the time, Lord, and I'm 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 a little bit lukewarm here. I need I need a little help. I need a little slap around the head or something. <laughs> and um, but you can't give up. You know, you, you just because you don't feel excited or you don't feel like God's around or you don't feel like things are working out, you can't you can't just give up and throw in the towel. I had a I had a um a dream once a little while ago. It was a phone number in this dream. And I was like, I, I woke up like three in the morning and this phone number is in my mind. I cannot shake this phone number. I cannot get back to sleep. And it is killing me. I'm like, cannot get back to sleep. So finally I get out of bed and write the number down, lay back in bed. And as soon as I lay in bed, I'm sleeping. I woke up later that morning, that number's in my head again. And I was like, Lord, is this you? And he's, yes. And I said, well, I'm assuming you want me to call this number. And he was like, yeah. And I said, what do you want me to tell him? And this is what I got. Now, whether this was me or God, but this is what I got. Tell them that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life. Now, where did I get that from? That was not some revelation or prophetic word. That was a sign that I had seen on a church marquee 15 years before, but it uh, stuck in my mind. So it was already, it was there in my brain, okay? They, like God brought it out of my brain. Tell them Jesus loves them, has a plan for life. I said, Lord, now you do know that when I call them and tell them that, they're probably going to call the police and think I'm a nut. So anyway, I called the number and I got saved, Wes, by a computer voicemail. So I don't know if it was a male or a female. It was just a computer-generated voicemail. And I left a detailed message. And I said, look, I promise you I'm not a nut. I'm not crazy. I'm not. God gave me this dream. It was your phone number. I don't know who you are. And he wants you to know that he loves you and has a plan for your life. So I put the phone down. I was like, all right, God, I did it, man. I pat myself on the back. But later that day, that number called me back. And I was like, oh, man. So that number I answered. And it was a young man, visibly upset, asking me to repeat this message and very concerned. And I repeated it. And then there was a pause that felt like an eternity, but it was just a short pause. And he came back on the phone crying, wailing. And he said, sir, a week ago, I decided to give up and go back to my old life because I just wasn't feeling God. I just, I just decided to throw in the towel. And you called me and said, Jesus said that he loves me, has a plan for my life. And I said, sir, do you understand? that God knows your mobile number. And that's why I would say to anybody watching today, God knows you. He loves you. He knows your difficulties. He knows your temptations. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your failures. But in spite of that, he said that he'll never give up on you. But I can relate to that because there have been times in my life where I'm like, God, are you even listening to me? Are you really putting up with me and my nonsense are you putting up with my behavior my unbelief do you even love me god do you even know me and you know what he says he says come son let us reason together 
Though your sin be red as crimson, I'll make them white as snow. He loves me and he loves you with an everlasting, eternal love. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. You may be unfaithful to him, but he'll never be unfaithful to you. You may leave him, but he'll never leave you. And that's what I say to you today. If you're mm -hmm. in that valley, don't beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. Don't think that you have to be some super Christian. Just be honest. Look, I had a friend. His dad died, and his dad was a pastor. And he was so mad with God that he was going to throw in the towel. And, and I was talking to him, and he was talking to me. You know what? I didn't give him biblical verses. I didn't try to encourage him. He wouldn't want that. I said to him, you know what? Go ahead and curse God. I don't mean curse him. Like He was mad, so he was, he was going to tell off God. I said, go ahead and tell off God. Go ahead and vent your anger to God. I said, because he can handle it. He can handle it. I said, go ahead. Give him your best shot. You know? And, uh, and he did. But in spite of that, God said, come, son. Let, let me love you. Mm -hmm. You know, God's not like us. He didn't say, oh, yeah, that's how you're going to treat me? Well, let me show you how I'm going to treat you now. Yeah. Let me really show you what I'm going to do. And that's not God. God. Whew, he is the best friend you would ever have. Yeah. And I encourage you to reach out to him right now and just say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I know I need to serve you. Please help me. Well, you, I mean, that, I'm just sitting here, you know, enjoying your preaching for sure. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're a weapon for the kingdom because you've got that business sense. You've got that, that, that beautiful, sweet spirit, that, that complete love and dependency on God. And, you know, it's, uh, it's magnetic. It's, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your crazy schedule to come and share with us on this platform. Uh, you've been a real blessing. I was excited to do it. I mean, I said yes to it immediately. I didn't say I had to pray about it. <laughs> you can ask your assistant. I said, absolutely. I would love to do that. Awesome. I didn't ask how many viewers you have, how many listeners you have. I, none of that was concerning me. I just felt, yeah, this is great. This is my brother in Australia. I'd love to be on his program. Yeah. And thank you. I appreciate that. That's that's super encouraging. Um, so guys, uh, as we always do at the end of the show, I want to. I want you to go back through your notes and put into the comments for me. You know, what's the top one thing that Ward said that really jumped out to you? It was a lot of wisdom, a lot of gems, a lot of understanding that came from his talk. Um, but I want you to kind of distill it down and uh, and get a return on your time watching. So, in the comments, put there for me. What's the top one thing that jumped out to you, Ward? Uh, hopefully, our paths cross again. You're a blessing to me and to us, and I really appreciate the journey you've been on. 